Al Jazeera podcast. Oren Gordon considers Essequibo to be a paradise. What's special about Essequibo is its green, unspoiled beauty. It's on the north coast of South America, in western Guyana, home to dense rainforest and one of the world's largest waterfalls. When you're coming into Guyana, you have to fly over the Essequibo Forest, and it is an unbroken sea of green for long stretches of the flight. In the 19th century, colonizers seeking gold laid claim to Essequibo. These days, the prize is oil and gas, and it's right next to Venezuela. This week, Venezuela held a referendum on whether Essequibo is part of its territory. Venezuela's authorities said voters had overwhelmingly approved the takeover of an oil-rich region in neighboring Guyana, a victorious president Nicolás Maduro vowed to abide by the will of the people. The vote has unnerved Guyanese. But is it just posturing or a step toward annexation? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Let's start with an introduction. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast, although welcome back, Alessandro. So why don't you give us your full name and tell us who you are and what you do? My name is Alessandro Rampietti. I am Al Jazeera English correspondent in Colombia, and it's always a pleasure to be here with you. Pleasure to have you. So let's start with a geography lesson, because a lot of people may not be familiar with where Essequibo is. It's a province of Guyana that borders Venezuela. It's rich in oil and gas. And Venezuela claims it's part of its territory. What is this claim based on and is it legitimate? The answer is it's complicated. (laughs) It is indeed a, a part of Guyana. It borders with Venezuela. It's a very large territory. 160,000 square kilometers, so it's bigger than uh, Ireland, for example. It's mostly made of thick jungle and has a very small population, around 125,000 people, who right now are Guyanese citizens. They speak English. Yet, this used to be Venezuela's territory in Spanish colonial times. And since then, Venezuela has always said that this territory belongs to them. And if you talk to Venezuelans, there is very little controversy about that that inside the country. uh, Venezuelans learn that the Yesequipo is theirs. Venezuela claims it's actually the rightful owner. There is very little controversy that Venezuelans agree that uh, that territory belongs to them. Even the maps that Venezuelan children study in school have the Esequibo as part of Venezuela, but as a disputed territory. Mm. On uh, Tuesday, President Maduro presented a new official map of Venezuela with the Esequibo officially part of the country. 
is it legitimate? It's probably unclear to most. Uh, and this is because there is a lot, long story behind this dispute. This territory was essentially given to what was at the time British Guyana back in 1899 through an international arbitration. But Venezuela has always considered that arbitration fraudulent. And then Venezuela has been trying to recover that territory since the 1960s when uh, Guyana uh, gained its independence from the United Kingdom. The negotiations were happening with the mediation of the United Nations. But then tension sort of flared after 2015 when Guyana discovered large deposits of oil in the waters in front of Yesequipo that were not part of the 1899 decision. So that's something that has never been essentially defined. So in 2018, Guyana decided to go to the International Court of Justice, which is the UN highest court, to try and find a resolution. So much there to unpack. So we're going to do our best here. Because as you mentioned, I think the banner for this conversation is it's complicated. So one of the first things you said was about this map. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro on Tuesday night declared a new map of Venezuela and it incorporated the Essequibo region of Guyana. President Maduro stood in front of a galvanized government pledging to launch Venezuelan oil and mine development in the oil-rich region of Essequibo and asking Guyanese companies to withdraw their operations from the area. And that came after a referendum on Sunday in which his government organized this vote to annex it. Tell us about this referendum. What happened? The Venezuelan government decided that it wanted to get sort of popular approval for their actions to try and claim this territory. So they organized a referendum that is mostly symbolic and organized a large campaign. And we saw President Nicolás Maduro campaigning hard for weeks to try and convince people to turn out and vote in favor of essentially annexing this territory and allowing for the creation of a new Venezuelan state in the Essequibo. And they went on with this uh, referendum and then on uh, Sunday night, Venezuelan electoral authorities said that there was a huge turnout and that 95% of the votes were in favor of Venezuela taking over uh, this territory. Mm. After the vote, the government announced what seems like a pretty high vote tally, as you mentioned, but there are also questions about how many people actually participated in the referendum. How do you parse that apart? There are huge questions about that because throughout the day, Reporters and regular citizens of Venezuela repeatedly uh, said that there were no lines 
at the polling stations that very few people did vote. And the problem is that there were no international observers with this uh, election. But the, the feeling, even if there's no way to verify it, is that few people voted. There was also an issue with the way Venezuela's electoral authorities presented the results. Originally, they said that they had counted 10.5 million votes, but they didn't talk about voters, they talked about votes. And given the fact that the referendum had five questions, it wasn't clear what they meant. After the break, the politics behind this vote. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI. And I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Your class starts January 8th. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. The referendum represents something new, and it is a dangerous escalation of the disagreement between Guyana and Venezuela. It feels more serious. That's Oren Gordon, who you heard at the top of this episode. I'm a writer and broadcaster. I live and work in Trinidad and Tobago. I'm Guyanese. I grew up in Georgetown, the capital, but know Essequibo very well. He explained the Guyanese reaction to the referendum. There's been a flurry of patriotic feeling, you know, uh, rallies in various parts of the country. The president has gone to the northwestern part of Ghana, near the Venezuelan border, and he's tried to rally the population there, telling them to be vigilant, but not to fear anything, not to panic. But nobody in Guyana is, is surprised at the outcome. And the reason no one is surprised, Oren says, is because of the history. We know, since we were children growing up, that the issue of Venezuelans saying Essequibo is ours, has always been there. But to Oren, that history is clearly Guyanese. Venezuelan ownership of Essequibo is an idea that they have harbored since they were children. But I have Venezuelan friends and I love them. And I always say that this is a dispute between the government of Venezuela and Guyana, not Guyanese and Venezuelans. And when it comes to Venezuela's government... Alessandro says there might be politics at play. President Nicolas Maduro is up for re-election, and some opposition candidates have been banned from running. I think that it's all connected in a way because it all has to do with next year's presidential elections in 2024. And that's because most observers believe that this referendum has as much to do with international politics uh, uh, than with domestic politics. And many are also seeing this as a way, if the situation escalates, 
to eventually be able to postpone those elections. And this obviously plays into the fact that Venezuela is negotiating with the United States, with the opposition, a series of reforms to allow for what the U.S. is demanding, which is free and fair elections. The Biden administration on Wednesday eased tough sanctions on Venezuela's oil sector. The move comes after a deal reached between the Venezuelan government to begin lifting bans that kept opposition party candidates from running in elections next year. So you mentioned that, to paraphrase, this was a political gamble ahead of the election. Do observers and analysts that you talk to think that this was a smart move? Do enough Venezuelans care about this issue to make them want to rally and then vote for him again? The problem is we don't exactly know what happened with the referendum and how many people indeed went out to vote. It's clear that Maduro feels if there are free and fair elections, he is likely to lose power. So stirring up a sort of a geopolitical crisis will at least open new scenarios, including the possibility of an excuse to postpone those elections as a way to hold on to power. And we heard from Maduro already announcing a series of things among them now, a new law that he asked Congress to pass to essentially create a new state in the Esequibo. So essentially, we're going to have to see what will happen and also uh, the possibility and the risk of a military escalation. I want to expand on that last point because that is the latest that we know of. On Tuesday, Maduro called for a bill to create what's called a Guyana Esequiba province. And he ordered Venezuelan companies to prepare to enter the region to explore for fossil fuels and minerals immediately. So this seems like it's only going to get more tense when it comes to this struggle between Guyana and Venezuela. What do you foresee happening next? Good question. I don't think anybody really (laughs) knows. But I don't expect him, at least not for now, to move troops inside the territory, for example. Maybe the exploration will happen in the waters outside of the Esequipo where that have never really been defined internationally. Because I think that this will only further isolate uh, Venezuela internationally and would also put him into problems with his usual allies because from what we've seen so far countries that have been close to the Maduro government like Cuba don't agree uh, with this action and have said that they want peaceful international resolution to this issue Alessandro, thank you so much for walking us through this. I hope that the next time we talk, we're not talking about an armed military standoff over Mesequibo. I think everybody in Latin America hopes that will be the case. (laughs) But there's no doubt that this kind of tension uh, that we're seeing right now, we had not seen 
en Latinoamérica en el 21st century. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by David Enders and Amy Walters, with Chloe K. Lee, Bernie Sekampana, Khaled Sultan, Miranda Lynn, Nagin Oliayi, Sariel Khalili, Sonia Bagat, Zaina Bazar, Ashish Malhotra, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>